1: Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you?
0: Doing well, Sean. Happy to be back. Big episode today. Uh mailbag no like always. So plenty to talk
1: about. Yeah, and we have some, some news to announce. From now on, moving forward. Each and every mailbag episode that you get on Kentucky Daily is going to be sponsored by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. Eric, I know that's a a place that we're familiar with right there off I-75 as you come down home to Corbin or I'm headed toward Millsboro from games. So Buffalo Wings and Rings is going to be our mailbag Friday sponsor, whether that's a mailbag episode on Friday or a mailbag episode on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever we do those uh, mailbags in the middle of the week sometimes. So that we're happy to have them on board. Just a couple of things about Buffalo Wings and Rings. I've actually eaten there quite a few times. They have some of the best chicken tenders I've ever had in my life, Derek. You can get all the wing sauces that you get at other restaurants. You can get them on the tenders. Some specials they have. Every Monday, kids eat free. Every Tuesday is 69-cent wing day. I know a lot of places do wing Wednesday. They actually do wing Tuesday. Wednesday is $1.19 tenders. Usually I'm full on three of those and you can get all those same sauces with the wings. Thursday is all day, happy hour. And then of course they even put in all their advertisement. We're the better Buffalo. And I have to agree. I really, really enjoy Buffalo wings and rings. So I encourage you all to get out to the location there in London, Kentucky. If you're coming down I-75 or going up to watch a game or something here in the future, so make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings, and we're grateful to have them on board with us. But, Derek, let's go ahead, and let's just start off with the the big news of the day before we get into the mailbag, because I know we did have a mailbag question about this. So Kentucky football didn't get the quarterback, didn't get Gavin Wimsett. He ends up going to Rutgers. Just what is your initial reaction to that before we uh, dive into this mailbag?
0: Yeah, Sean, it was a bit of an odd recruitment, you know, to lose an in-state target that they had gone after so hard to to Rutgers is something that you don't really expect to see. Um, I had had some kind of reservations, I guess, about Gavin Wimsett. Even I think at the time people still thought he was going to go to UK. Um, But whenever it came out, Steve Wolfong wrote the story that his final three or three he was strongly considering basically was Cincinnati, Rutgers, and Kentucky, that did not have the feel to me of a top 100 top, you know, type level of recruitment. And that's not trying to make excuses. I think, you know, obviously his potential is pretty high. He could end up being a good fit. Um, how he would have fit in, in Liam Cohen's offense, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I guess that's what this will do, though. You know, optically it doesn't look great to lose a guy to Rutgers. But as we move forward now, a week from today, I mean, you have the Wade Twins announcing those would be big gifts if you can lend them. And then Keontae Goodwin who everyone at this point feels is strongly leaning towards Kentucky. People will forget about this one pretty quick, I think. And there's still other in-state targets that go after Denkey, guys like that, um, who I think would still be bigger losses than Wimpsit. Um, but, yeah, still big news to the day. And that had been trending that way for a while. So, I guess for, for Gavin's sake, good to see it yes. uh, finally official.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't have came as a surprise to anyone, really, given the recent weeks and everything turning that direction, too. Derek – Kentucky's quarterback room, though, it feels like it's in good shape. I mean, you have a young Bo Allen there. And then with the transfer portal and things, I mean, how? I, that's why I'm not too worried about what Kentucky does at quarterback moving forward. I mean, if you, if you don't get the one you wanted initially in this class, the transfer portal, we're talking about Levis coming in to this roster, a guy that we didn't even see in December, and now he might even be the starter on this team. So the transfer portal is going to change that as well.
0: For sure. And another thing with Wimsett is I don't – I'm not going to be one of those people who would say that Liam Cohen didn't want Wimsett. I don't know that. I never heard that. I, I heard that he was okay with it. But it is worth noting that UK was well into that recruitment way before Cohen got here. So I don't know in a normal – you know, had Cohen been here two years ago and had set his board recruiting, then I don't know where Wimsett would have been on that list. So um, still a loss. I mean, you don't want to lose any highly rated kid in-state. I would guess – where Wimsett is listed right now will not be where he finishes in the rankings, but still a solid prospect, and it's a great get for Rutgers. But I saw they are all up to number six in the national rankings. They got a little 2014 UK vibes going, or UK got all the way up to number one on Rivals at one point um, before I think finishing in the 20s. So that'll surely happen to Rutgers too. Could still be a top 25 class, but certainly will not finish top 10, or uh, yeah, top 10. But um, yeah, I'm just—I guess. People can move on from that one now.
1: Yeah, so let's just go ahead and jump right into the Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag. The first question comes from Ben, and Ben was actually asking about Wimsett and Kentucky's class. He says, do we think the U.K. coaches are likely pushing for these early commits so to try and build a very solid class so Wimsett can see, what, see that and maybe be more enticed with U.K.? Eric, I'm sure that that's what they were trying to do to an extent. But I think they're just trying to jump start that class as well and for just for their sake and getting as many quality commits as they can, especially coming off a pandemic time here where they've not been able to do visits and things like that, I think it's very important to get off to this start that they're getting off to and continue it the way we expect them to the next couple of weeks,
0: yeah for sure um I don't yeah i don't I just don't really see them recruiting them so very much now after this like I don't. I don't know what they would do if three months from now, once it said, Hey, I don't want to come here. I mean, maybe they would, maybe they would do it. I'm not sure. But for this point, I don't think it's going to be someone they really invest a lot more in as it goes on. But I don't, I just think trying to build momentum in general. I mean, if you have good players who are ready, uh, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter how long you wait. If you can get them on board now and, and and go from there, it'd be good. Um, if this is the only football recruiting question we have, I'll go ahead and throw this in we, there. I, we have one more. more,
1: so we'll just we have one more, and it's it's pretty much from it's from Brandon. He says football recruiting update, so we'll just loop that one into this too.
0: Well, yeah, you got, you know you got the Destin and Keaton Wade, like I said, announcing next Friday. I think Alex Afari could pop for UK any day. I think they're well out ahead for him. Uh, and well, then I, I think he just said May
1: seventh today is what he's planning.
0: Afari did. Yeah. Okay, I hadn't seen that yet. Well, it won't be any day then. It'll be about a month <laughs> before he announces. Uh, but that, that will be uh, – I'm pretty certain that will be Kentucky based on what I've heard. Um, Dane Key, the guys like that, I think they'll be waiting a while. I think he'll wait until the fall. He, he, he gives me the impression that he wants to – I'm not saying his whole recruitment is, is going to be based on waiting on UK to show something. I don't I don't know that. I just think UK will have an opportunity though. To prove that the offense will be a little bit different before he makes his decision. But I did want to say this, as I noticed it today, ESPN um, either did a re-rank or or really posted their first true update. And that factors into the 24-7 composite. So there's a guy that lost a star, Sean, Jeremiah Caldwell, now a three-star. He's the third highest ranked player in the class. He dropped about, I think, 50-ish spots once ESPN went in there. Grant Bingham's still a four-star, but that leaves U.K. with three other uh, three stars. And then, of course, Jackson Smith, who committed yesterday, isn't yet rated. But, you know, if you go off this kicker, the, the kicking website, he's a five-star there. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up in case people hadn't seen that yet because it was relatively recent.
1: And we have one more football question here that I know of. I, I've not looked at the DMs yet. But this comes from Brad. Do you think Fortner at center is just for depth or is Wilson better at guard? And then Derek, what are your thoughts on the new look, big blue wall?
0: It's a great question. And um, this is one of the areas I'm a little frustrated because eh, I mean, frustrated, it is what it is. I know the pandemic still ongoing. UK um, is probably doing the best it can to accommodate everything, but in a normal year, you would have a better answer to this. Just think, think about it this way, Sean. We have not talked to any position coaches all spring. Normally, that would be a question I would ask Eric Wolford or a reporter would ask Eric Wolford, the offensive line coach. We don't have that chance. I think it's really hard to have any kind of firm answers anywhere outside of knowing Chris Rodriguez will be the bell cow running back. Wondell Robinson and Josh Elliott are going to get a ton of, ton of catches. Outside of that, I think it's really hard to know anything. But I did find that interesting that Luke Fortner has been featured in so many pictures at center. Could be a deal where they're trying to build, trying to build some uh, depth there. I mean, obviously Luke Fortner is a super smart guy, but the same can be said for Quentin Wilson. I think Quentin's already graduated, or will graduate this spring after like two and a half years. So a lot of bright guys on that line who can handle it all mentally, all the tough you know assignments that it takes to to run this offense. But my guess would be it's build depth right now, and you'll still see Quentin Wilson at center. Uh, but Quentin has spent time playing guard prior to this year. So, in in general, I do like this line, though. I thought it was really a good thing that Cohen came out pretty early and said that Jeremy Flax was kind of the cornerstone at right tackle because that was the only big question mark that I had on this offensive line. And he's a former four-star kid from junior college who had some high hopes for. So, the fact that he's already playing so well, I think is a really positive development for this offensive line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that covers everything that I see from the football side. So, let's go ahead and just make the transition to the basketball uh, part of the Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag here. Derek, this comes from L. Thornberry. Becoming a big fan of the podcast, guys. Answers provided clarity last week I honestly didn't see before. New question. What percent of scoop do you all get that you hold off on before you're able to go public and fear it's not legitimate? What do you for, th- me, on, for me, on basketball,
0: not, not much. I, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I never hear much from basketball. Maybe some things have filtered down to me, but it's certainly not first-hand information. Um, in other sports, I would say I probably get a little more. Um, it's stuff that probably people would find interesting, but it's you know not nothing, never too juicy for the most part. But uh, a percentage, I mean, it's low. I think in general, if you have something, at least in my case, I I usually try to share it if it's not something you know
1: too crazy. Same. It all depends. I know we throw a lot of stuff at one another in our text conversations that we, I
0: I will say, I think Sean here is way more than me on the basketball side of things.
1: Yeah. And and there's just some things that I just, I don't feel comfortable saying, even if it is true, because there's just some things out there that you just don't want to be. in. you know what, you know what I mean when it comes to certain situations, but then there are things that you just kind of want to be make 100% sure on like, uh, I've, feel like I've got some solid sources that I know when things are coming out and things like that, like the BJ Boston situation, Derek, you know, I texted you the night before and told you tomorrow he's going to put his name in, but I didn't even put that out myself because I just kind of knew what the reaction was going to be the moment I did from fans. It wasn't going to be a very good reaction. Uh So a lot of things like that, I kind of just like, nah, let's just let it go official. Uh, But there are some things that, that we hear, Derek, that we just—you're like, "Nah, that just doesn't sound right," and we kind of hold off and don't say anything at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get away the—I wouldn't say risk per se, but the how much of a scoop is really worth sharing—is you know, things like that. But that's a good question. I always like talking in a little inside journalism stuff. Yeah,
1: but, and you know, like when it comes to recruiting and things, like some yeah, days. That I'm, comes I'm just the schools and lists yeah. and things like that, like Sky Clark's list and who was going to be, you know, added to it. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: like that was that was messy that day. Like remember, I, I texted you and I I got direct word from somebody that these were the four schools, and then what was it? An hour later, I texted you back and said, okay, that school's been removed and now this one's been added. <laughs> so yeah, stuff like that you kind of don't. It's just not concrete enough that you want to just put out there. Uh but moving on, let's Carson ask this. How many playoff runs will the Knicks make before Kenny Payne returns to Kentucky as head coach? Oh I don't know that Kenny Payne's gonna
0: return to UK as head coach, but obviously they're doing pretty well this year. I'll be honest, since baseball started back, I've not kept up with the NBA at all. So I don't I assume they're still doing well, Sean. Do you know? I don't even know.
1: They are. They're they're right there in the the play-in hunt for a playoff spot. And I will say this. I haven't watched as much NBA either. I'm a huge Lakers fan. I don't know if I've ever announced that on this podcast. Don't hammer me. Because for anybody listening, I'm a big LeBron James fan too. Always have been. But where he's been out, AD's been hurt, I haven't watched as much. And this is how – little I've watched. I'm sitting there the other night watching the Phoenix Suns and I had no idea that they were thirty six and fourteen. Yeah. That's like, when
0: they played the Jazz, right?
1: Yeah. I was like, what? I'm like, I have no idea. Like how did when did this happen? You know? <laughs> so that's how little I've watched at the NBA. But when it comes to your question, Carson, I I don't know if Kenny Payne will ever be the head coach at Kentucky. I I just don't see it unless he decides to coach somewhere else in college basketball. And the fact that he just turned down a head coaching offer to DePaul tells me that he might root himself in the NBA for a while, Derek.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably where he wants to stay. I mean, he had the chance to go to DePaul. Um, I think that would have been a good fit for him, that he chose to not go work for someone like Dwayne Peavy, who he is very familiar with. That tells me I think he, he wants to wants to see what he could make uh, out of himself in the NBA as a coach before returning to college. So maybe there will be an opportunity there for some college to hire him. uh, But perhaps if he does well as an assistant for a couple years, he could end up with an NBA head coaching position, which is probably, I would guess, for a coach, the most desirable position you could be in if you coach basketball.
1: I missed another football question too, but it kind of wraps into everything that you said earlier, Derek. It comes from all blue all day. I want to get to this now just in case they, they don't think that we yeah. answered it. What's your best guess as to who all joins UK football's recruiting class over the next few weeks? Hearing any rumors out of spring practice that will get us jacked up for the fall? On and the first question? And you're the uh, football yeah, I, guy. So when it comes to football scoop and things like that, Derek will handle a lot of the football talk when it comes to recruiting and questions about that.
0: Yeah, just the guys we said earlier. Afari, whenever he decides, I'm very confident will be Kentucky. Goodwin, I'm very confident will be Kentucky. The the Wade twins, I'm not sure on. They're actually visiting Kentucky today, I believe. Maybe even tomorrow. They're up here this week, or well in Lexington. I'm not in Lexington today, but in Lexington um, probably as we speak. So Kentucky did have the final chance to make an impression on those guys, unless they decide the. You know, everything's unofficial, so I mean they can go wherever if they want to. So maybe they'll swing back by one other school, like Tennessee or something like that. Uh, but they will be obviously one of the next ones to decide. Uh, maybe a few other offensive linemen, uh, but in the immediate future, Goodwin and Afari are two guys, I think for sure. will will be hopping on board. And then as far as the rumors out of the spring practice, um This is not to rip on U.K. because I don't know that you can say there's a right or wrong thing to handle, the things that are going on during the pandemic. What I will say is a lot of other SEC schools have had open practices to everybody. And maybe that wasn't feasible at Kentucky um, this spring because of the the vaccination setup at Kroger Field. I got no problems with, with U.K. not doing that. But one thing I did see is South Carolina. Um, I believe they've had open practices. Plus, they had a little bit of their practice streaming live on social media. Uh, I like the people a lot over at UK and football media relations. I will say I think it's a bit of a miss by them to have not done anything this spring. I'm not saying it's their fault. It could have been straight from Stoops. Maybe they didn't want anything. I just think fan excitement, it's been really hard to get to know things with this team. From a media perspective, you're talking to one coach, one player every time out, and then you're not seeing anything else. Yeah. Um, and I think for the fans, it would have been smart to have had – I'm not saying that's like a, a horrible miss, but it's been they could have done more. I, think. I just think it's been pretty pretty dull this spring, to be completely honest. There's just not been much to get excited about, I don't think. And I think had Kentucky had a – just something like that, stream something live on Twitter or Instagram for – it doesn't have to be the whole practice, but just something to let people see some of the players out there. But – as it is with the new offense, maybe that's how they wanted it. Uh, but without having a spring game for people to see, I think just doing something would have been smart. So prediction. I've not heard any really – yeah, in terms of rumors, things like that, uh, no, nothing that probably you haven't heard elsewhere. I mean, I still think the guys you expect to perform on offense are going to be the guys who are out there. Probably the biggest thing that surprised me is how well Cleveland Thomas has done because I kind of thought, you know, he was going to be going into his fifth year. Hadn't really played that much. Those are the kind of guys you typically see move on, but he's done well enough to stick around, and perhaps he'll help this, this fall. But uh, outside of that, no, not not too much that I've heard. Be he jacked up anyway. I mean, it's it's, it's football. It's football yeah. season in the fall. Just get excited regardless.
1: Prediction time for you, though. Will there be a fan day this fall? Will fans get no. their usual come in and watch practice thing? Do you think it happens, or do you think it has to wait another year?
0: No, I think it'll wait another year. Yeah, I'm just hoping we can get there in the fall. Yeah, that's that's and good... that's what I'm saying about that last point. I'm like, that's not even media. You could have a smaller crowd, but that's not even me trying to lobby to get in there. I think they should have done something for fans. I mean, yeah. whether they include us or not, I don't. Of course, I would like to go out there and watch. I think that's better than nothing. But I think they could have done something to at least yeah. involve the fans a little bit.
1: And I know parents will be coming up and stuff this week. For that scrimmage late in the week, I know some parents of our. I've, I've talked with some parents, and they're making the trip up, so they're going to be seeing it. So I, that's where I would have liked to have seen them do something yeah. to show off that scrimmage at the end of spring that they always do.
0: Yeah, right. I wish they would have. But as it is, I mean, I know keeping people safe still priority number one. Maybe UK just scares more than these other schools.
1: <laughs> that's true. Probably not it, but. Well, Let's transition this thing to just to basketball now. I'm pretty sure that's it. I think we have something about Mark Stoops at the end. I was, I was going to save that question for towards the end of it. Uh, but Bill says, I was listening to sources say yesterday, and you were talking, talking about me. We're talking about Cal slow offering how Cal is slow offering recruits. Do you think it has cost us a lot of recruits? Isn't it time to go faster and get involved sooner? Eric, we've talked about that on here too in the recent weeks, how Cal is kind of – he holds off on offering people. That's like the kills recruitment. Kentucky wasn't going to be a player there, in my opinion, of a recruit that level that established relationships with Duke and other schools. I don't think – I think that hurt in a situation like that. But then you go and you look at the Johnny Juzangs where Johnny's being recruited by all these schools, and then what does Cal and and them do? They, boom, they sweep in and they get him. Even though it didn't work out for him, it was still Kentucky. It works with those kids. I don't think it works with the elite of the elite, though, when you've had these relationships established. And maybe that is something that needs to change moving forward. I think that's hard to change right now because evaluations are definitely off with not being able to see people in person. But I do think that it does hurt because if they don't get – what what I think gets Cal in the staff is they lock in on a guy, and when they miss on that guy, I think that they've put so much attention to not – like maybe that was – I know that happened a lot at, at times. It felt like where they would go all in on someone, wouldn't get them because of some other outside factor, like we're talking James Wiseman or you know Cade Cunningham's situation, something like that. And then you you don't really have that option there that you've been targeting and you're kind of left spiraling and then you try to go get something that you haven't been evaluating as long.
0: Yeah, I agree with you for sure on someone like Kills. Like, you just wait that long and you're having to recruit against Duke and Villanova and some of these other elite schools. Like, why would a kid? Like, kids aren't just be falling over themselves and getting off from UK like that. At least he wasn't. You're right about choosing um, maybe even a guy like Ashton Hagens back then, a reclass guy, you can make that work there. But I do think for some of these kids it probably would be smarter these days. I mean not maybe not every kid is gonna base their whole recruitment on waiting to see if Kentucky's gonna offer them. So perhaps speed it up for sure on kids that you really think you can that can play here. Another thing too, I don't know, how do you think the pandemic's factoring into this? Not being able to see some of these kids in person yet.
1: It has. Because when you get to that EYBL circuit and you get the early weekend that's usually in in Dallas or Indy in April, I mean, that would be happening right now in the next week or so. And there would be guys there that you wouldn't have heard from, and then, boom, they just burst onto the scene, and then they have a UK offer within five or six days. But you're not getting that now. And it's it's the younger kids that I think it's getting them with, Those, those guys that are sophomores going into junior summer, is where it's getting messy because probably have to think, Derek, there's a lot of guys that they haven't had a chance to evaluate and look at.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking even like in 20 – it probably doesn't matter. He's probably going to come here no matter what. But like even in 2023, I don't I don't think the Wagner kid has officially gotten an offer yet. <laughs> when he's a normal player in his class and considered to be a heavy UK lean, I don't well, – maybe he has. Maybe I'm wrong there. It's not been updated on his 24-7 profile if he has been offered. Well, uh, but again, for him it won't matter because – He's going to come here. Obviously, he has an offer, whether it's public or not. But, yeah, for some of those other kids, and, again, it could be hard some of those years when UK was trying to figure out what they would have back from a team or, or things like that. But, again, with this transfer portal, though, Sean, I don't know that that will change unless it's just for a super elite kid and you know very early on that he's going to have to play there. Some of these other guys, they might have to
1: wait. Yeah, the transfer portal certainly changes it now because you don't want to – do you want to lock – Do you want to? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess right now, if you choose to be young now, then that is entirely your choice, in my opinion, because the portal is going to add experience to your roster every offseason if you want it to. So I feel like if Kentucky starts a bunch of freshmen, it kind of will. Cal probably needs to make sure that they're the elite of the elites, like he was getting at one time at UK, because I just don't know, Derek. It's changed so much. And it's changed fast, hasn't it? Since the De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Malik Monk, Bam Ball team. That's that's the last. I think that's the last class where I knew for sure Kentucky had dudes coming in that I really felt like were going to be difference makers, and actually knew it. Like you knew that Monk was going to be able to score. You knew that Bam was what he was. And sure, they had you know Knox, Quad A, all those guys. But Shea was the the dude of that class, and he was the lowest ranked guy that they had. So yeah, I just I'll say. I just think that it's entirely changed the way these rosters are are, are shaped and constructed, and I think a lot of coaches think, are going to have to adapt. You didn't
0: think Boston, you didn't think Boston and Clark were going to I did,
1: but I didn't think of it – I guess I looked at it differently because there had been guys that had struggled. We had seen plenty of highly ranked guys end up not putting themselves in position to be a lottery pick, but I, I felt like Fox – in that class, that was the last class that I really looked at and said, man, they have a really, really explosive point guard. But, yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. And I think that's the best classes when they have that. And that's one of my concerns right now going into this off season. I don't know if they have – I don't know if they add an explosive point guard. If you're adding a grad yeah. transfer or a transfer that's a senior, they're in college for a reason. Yeah. I don't think it's a game-changing yeah, ad, addition to your roster. I think it's going to have to be a collective piece of just, you know, multiple pieces that kind of change it. I just don't – there's not that stud out there that's just going to take you from nine wins to the Final Four next year.
0: I I saw a lot of fans uh, up in arms. It's kind of off topic, not really, because we're talking about point guards. And obviously Cade Cunningham last year was their top guy. Why is everyone so mad about Oklahoma State parting ways with his brother?
1: Didn't we know this was going to happen? We did, of course we did. i well, will be mad about it. And, you, and know, you know what? They did it. So what? It worked. It worked for them. It worked for Cade. Yeah. Cade's going to. I mean, Cade might be the number one pick in the draft. It it obviously worked. I mean, do you think his brother's upset about being let go and parting ways? No, I no. think they knew, he knew Absolutely yeah. not. And he's going to be all in marketing with Cade now. Do what you so, got
0: to do, man. You
1: know yeah. how to. That's
0: how to I mean, how see it. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, shoot, I mean, how many, that's not the first time we've seen that happen, you know, with somebody hiring family or a, a connection. Look, look at the kids Kentucky's lost because of connections. I mean, you're talking James Wiseman, uh, Michael been Porter been Jr. Ben's had said, a connection.
0: Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, but I his mean, dad, though, I think stayed as an, a, yeah. as an assistant for, and he had been, you know, his whole career, I think. I mean, was Cunningham, was it all, I mean, yeah, they hired him to get Cade, but. For a program like Oklahoma State, I don't see anything wrong with it. No. <laughs> I just thought it was odd, people were so – I would have been – I think people would have been more surprised that his brother still went on the staff next year when his and, brother was a rookie. And
1: yeah. we should note, and I will say this, had Kentucky had Cade Cunningham this year, Derek, they would have been much better. And I, that's obviously, easy That's yeah. easy to yeah. say, obviously, right? But I'm, I think that they would have been a lot better, honestly, just because there was a weekend there in that fall he was he was coming to Kentucky. Everybody, I mean, that, that was out there. Like, everyone knew that, that that weekend went very well. I know, I can't remember what football game it was that weekend. But it changed. Things changed, and he didn't come to Kentucky. And then Cal, they didn't have, you weren't going to get a caliber of Kate Cunningham following that. Oh, no, but no. the drop-off was significant, and it asked a lot of other guys to be, versions of themselves that they just could not be.
0: It would have been interesting to see some of the seasons other guys could have had if Cade would have been here to have a legit top player in college basketball helping BJ get shots. I think everybody would have benefited obviously from that. But as it is, why he got a second round NCAA tournament loss, is that what it was? Yep. I mean, better than better than what UK posted this year,
1: obviously. <laughs> so, that's why you can't really yeah, say yeah. anything. You know, I remember when he committed to Oklahoma State. Everybody's like, "Well, go somewhere where it's not going to matter, where you're not going to play in the tournament." Because, well, they obviously thought that they weren't going to they're going to have that ban. That didn't work out, and they ended up getting in, and Kentucky didn't. So I don't remember who they played. Who did they play? They lost second round. Was it Oregon State beat them right? Because it would have been then, Oklahoma State and Tennessee in the second round if Oklahoma State.
0: That's right. Oklahoma State was beat eighty to seventy by Oregon State. So, yep, better better year than the UK. It was worth it for for them. Boynton got an extension. I mean, it all worked out. It all it worked did. out for them.
1: Next question. Uh, you, would ask,
0: you, you would ask you. would ask one of these, Sean. If we can switch it up a little
1: bit. Yeah, go for it. I think I want to see
0: one more on your. Uh, or I see two on it. I'll ask one from one UK Shane. Okay. Who do you guys think we will get in the transfer portal? Do you see two or three more guys transferring in?
1: This is what hard, Derek. It's hard because the NBA draft being in July, guys being able to pull their name out later than usual, I think it changes this a lot. And things are working quietly from everything that everyone that I've talked to, things are quiet. Like, UK is working very quietly. We all, we already saw that with Kellen Grady in that situation. I don't know if this thing is going to be set by the time we get to the end of May. I really don't. And I think at some point, Derek, it's going to get exhausting to a lot of people. I know that this is a topic that you and I have talked about now. It feels like we were talking about it before the season ended. But since the season ended, the SEC tournament loss feels like it was three months ago to me.
0: Uh, and uh, it's not yeah. even
1: been – I mean, it's maybe a month, if that, right, right, right at a month. I don't know if they're going to have all their guys from the portal in the ro- on the roster by the next couple of weeks, like a lot of people think. Because I think, obviously, that they are guys that they're targeting. But let's say Marcus Carr decides to go to the NBA. Or waits until the very end. Then are you gonna are you gonna put yourself out there? And maybe Marcus Carr decide to go somewhere else in July. Because what do you do then?
0: I mean, to answer the question, I don't know. I I think they'll definitely try to add a point guard, maybe even one other player. All I know, Sean, is like they're at a point. They got got to nail this point guard edition. If they're going to be significantly better next year, whoever it is that they do get, it, it needs to be someone who's going to move the needle. In it.
1: And it might be Carr. You know, like things are so quiet right now that it wouldn't shock me if Carr decided to next week say he's taking his name out of the draft and going to Kentucky. As quietly as things work with UK and the Grady's Grady situation, there's someone out there that they're talking to right now that they probably feel like they've just about got locked up. But I could also see this going the other way too, Derek. I think that there might be guys that are still at their original schools that haven't gone in the portal yet that they might be getting. I don't think – obviously, Possibly. it just feels – I think Cal will take the best first available option, I think, in when it comes to point guard that he thinks will be a significant upgrade. It might not be the guy that he wants, but let's say somebody else goes in the portal, and then you still have Marcus Carr sitting there that hasn't you know taken his name out of the draft. It might be a situation where Marcus Carr is still in the draft and they take someone else just to be sure that they get someone, but it's somebody they feel confident about. I think they'll have two or three, four guys at point guard that they've keyed in on, and it might just be the first one that bites on it.
0: I think they'll add a point guard, and if Jackson does leave and Keon Brooks, for whatever reason, doesn't come back, I think they'd add another big at that point. But one more for sure, and I would say potentially two. If Brooks or Jackson... If one of those guys come, comes back, I don't see the point in adding another big. I guess they could do it. I just, I think if you were to do that, though, it's going to run somebody else off. So I'm, I'm going to say one for sure, depending on what else happens with the roster, maybe two.
1: And, and someone else. And I'm just going to keep coming back to it. Someone else is leaving. I just – I honestly feel like someone else is going to leave. Just
0: – Yeah, I'm, I'm probably with you there.
1: I don't – I mean, I I talked to some people yesterday, and I know there's some concern there from some people. Derek, I won't get into specifics on who because Source didn't want me to share. They they asked me not to share the specifics of it. But I talked to you about it yesterday. There are some guys that are kind of looking at this transfer thing thinking, am I going to be recruited over? And I think it's a fair question, right? When you see a logjam, there's already a logjam there when it comes to forwards. Do you want to come back? and run the risk of two or three guys battling the same spot as you. And I don't think it comes down to kids running from a challenge. I just think it comes down to, is there a better opportunity for someone somewhere else?
0: That'll be a, a challenge that coaching staffs have every year, trying to upgrade your team without possibly scaring off guys already on your roster. I think it the player movement is good. I'm, I'm for the one-time transfer. Uh, I think – I think players deserve that, honestly. Uh, but I could see this becoming a very, very exhausting process for college coaches. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, everybody's having to learn how to navigate right now and figure it out. But I'm with you. I think it's a it's a tough balance. I mean, if you're Cal, though, and he's putting nine and 16, you're probably thinking there's no one on this roster who's, you know, I think he, in his mind he's going to do whatever it is whatever it takes to, to get the team better for next year. Uh, but that does come with some probably really tightroping some situations. So whoever is very good at that, managing all that, I think will be the coaches that, that end up having the best rosters moving
1: forward. I am interested in seeing, though, if, if, this, if this peak and spike in the portal is just where this one-time transfer rule is just now it's becoming a, a thing that maybe yeah. these numbers – it's going to be a high number every offseason, in my opinion – but I don't know – this might be the peak that it gets to this offseason with it being a first-time thing. But if you see a lot of guys
0: go in and they don't end up with good landing spots and those stories start to trickle out, it might make kids think twice yeah. about leaving. A, like, I think it's probably only smart if you're playing at a very low level that you're clearly talented enough to play up. I think those kids are smart to leave. If you're in a situation that's – you know maybe you don't absolutely love it but it's not horrible. I just I don't know that it's really worth leaving. But every kid has their own decision to make. I think they deserve that ride, especially with the fact that coaches can leave. Like I don't know. I had this thought too, Sean. I know we don't have a ton of time, but like with Hubert Davis getting promoted, I don't know that every blue, blue, blue every blue blood school will do that. I mean, I, I think those schools will still attract a certain amount of talent. But think about like what Loyola did with promoting Drew Valentine. I think that was his name. Whenever Porter Mosier left, he'd been on the staff there for four years. How many smaller schools do you think will just promote from within to, in order to keep their roster with the fact that any, like you're going to see rosters just absolutely decimated by coaching changes. But if you keep the guy there who's recruited a lot of these kids, don't you stand a better chance of keeping your roster and keeping the good players from leaving?
1: I think so. Especially in those situations. Absolutely. Cause you, you, you don't want to start all over at one of those schools. Right. I mean, it's, that's brutal. Uh, starting over at Kentucky is different because it's still Kentucky, which leads me into the next question. And this, this is a second one from Ben. Is it wrong of me to think if we had the opportunity, it would be better to get Zegs over Carr? The inconsistency worries me. Derek, you and I have both, I think we both agreed, we both said it. If we had a point guard to put on this roster next year, it would be the transfer from Creighton if he decides to go into the portal and transfer.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he goes in, it's got to be their top priority. It has Um, to. So far, though, he showed no indication that he's going to. I mean, he even put out a tweet to say that he wasn't going to. So, for now, I think you got to take him at his word. But if he is a guy that UK is waiting to see, hey, maybe he's not super firm in what he's going to do, let's let's wait a few weeks, see what he does. He's worth waiting for. I know that much.
1: He's he's good. I mean, you texted me during the Gonzaga game and sent me his player profile. And there was no scoop leading up to that, really. It was just watching with your own two eyes. That's a guy Kentucky could benefit from having on the roster. And given the situation at Creighton with the head coach and player frustration, possibly leaving, uh, all that is a situation maybe, even though he said it, Derek, I would just pay attention just to see what happens over the next few weeks.
0: Yep, no question. He'd be number one on my on my
1: radar for sure. But let's go ahead and let's get into the DMs. I think I have four, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Derek, this one comes from, from Justin. Do you guys think if Cal continues to recruit these older, more experienced transfers, that it will increase how long he will coach for? If he has to spend less time screaming at younger guys and teaching basics and more times coaching basketball, it will be more enjoyable. I do think it would be more enjoyable for him when it comes to less stress, Derek, if he had a veteran roster every year. But John Calipari is still going to be stressed out, John Calipari, if he had 14 seniors on the roster. I think it's still going to be what he is, and it's Kentucky. It's a new system. Not every senior that comes in ends up taking off. Like you could say some of these guys that have transferred in had better careers at their other school. Olivier Sawyer had better numbers at Wake Forest, which is normal when you look at numbers. But I do think that if he could get to a spot to where he gets this figured out and it's not six or seven freshmen every year that just have awful habits, that's the one difference you get. When you get juniors and seniors, you've got guys that have developed good habits in the collegiate game. So I do agree with Justin that it it could maybe add a year, two, three, to his – tenure and how long he decides to coach at UK. But I think it all depends on how successful he is in adapting to this. If he adapts, I think he'll be fine regardless of what it is, whether it's young or old. If he doesn't adapt, I could see it really beating him down.
0: I I agree with you on the habits thing. That's where I was going to go with it. Like The things that probably drive him crazy about first-year players, if you have a guy in their fourth or fifth year, they should – on some of the things that you just spend time with a freshman uh does that mean every player in their fourth or fifth year is perfect no there are still things probably that would drive him crazy crazy that he would want to work on with those guys but something you shouldn't have to teach a fourth year college player is how hard you have to play every single possession there shouldn't be as many lulls as they should know they've been through it those are things that i think with a freshman team you might have more talent with that but you also have those things that he really has to Focus on that could be part of the reason why it takes so long for UK to kind of click in a normal year. Um, but yeah, I think you pretty much summed up my thoughts on that. Good job answering that.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> and the next mailbag question uh, from the DMs is from Colt How important do you think Mint's return is to this team in any aspect besides experience or distribution? Now, obviously, Davion Mintz has not announced anything yet. Uh, his stats are comparable or worse when compared to Boston, except assist. He routinely got handled on defense. His side speed combo doesn't seem to separate him. Do you think he was just the best player on a bad team and people are measuring his value to what he did last year, not how he might fit on on next year's roster? That's a really good question, Derek, because we have said multiple times that the fact that Davion Mintz ended up being their best player outside of Isaiah Jackson, Davion Mintz was their best. That wasn't a good thing for Kentucky because he wasn't even recruited to be that guy. He was supposed to be the guy that kind of groomed the position and handed it to Devin Askew when Kentucky went on their NCAA tournament run that never happened. And then you had B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Olivier Saar, those pieces. But he's another guy that I look at, Derek, that if you put more efficient players around him, what impact does he do? If you put some, you know, a, a better, like a Kellen Grady, who's going to be more efficient from their perimeter and scoring, you get a, a point guard that can then allow Mintz to kind of do whatever makes him best if he does come back. Um, I look at the reason that I would value him on a roster is because John Calipari has, has said it, that he would have any, like he told it, in, like and in, his family said to Kyle Tucker in the athletic story that he could be on what the next 10 Kentucky teams if he wanted to. There'd be a spot for yeah. him. I just think that there's value in having that guy. I loved his fire. I loved his ability to hit the big shot late in games and his lack of fear to take those big shots.
0: I'm, I mean, I'm with you, dude. On Like, do you want David Ammons to be your best player at Kentucky? No, you don't. But is there a spot for someone who can shoot the way he can, who defends the way he can, who has the experience at Kentucky? Absolutely. <laughs> there's a spot. I mean, there's somewhere on this team for him. Matter of fact, I think if he came back he'd be a starter next year. I really do. I don't know if he's going to come back. Um, but even if he wasn't a starter, if he's, you know, your first go off the bench, that's really solid. I he would be a guy I mean, he'd be a focal point to me to at this point to want to bring back. So, whether or not he will come back, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's the longer it goes on if it's good or bad, honestly. I I'm, I'm not even sure what to think about the whole situation at this point. It's been a month since the season ended. I'm sure he wants to hear from feedback as well with his professional aspirations. So perhaps he's taking more time. But if he wants to come back, I don't see any scenario where UK says, no, thanks, so we're going to go a different direction.
1: Let's see four more questions here. I forgot people had submitted them uh, all the way back on Monday, Derek. So this one comes from Wyatt. Question for your next mailbag. I heard Matt Jones talking about buzz around Marcus Carr in Kentucky. What have you all heard from all that? And if Kentucky has le- a legitimate chance at getting him? Derek, we, we kind of already touched on this, that it, it's it's just messy with the NBA and him being in the draft. Is he going to play college basketball? Is he going to move on to the NBA? I, I do think that Kentucky is connected to Carr, obviously, and if Matt is hearing that uh, from someone, what he said earlier this week, you know, Matt has his sources. I haven't heard that directly, which maybe means that I don't have the same source as Matt. But as quietly as Kentucky's working, I don't really think anyone knows what UK is doing.
0: Yeah, I'm, if that
1: I'm, makes sense at all.
0: Yeah, there's just I mean, I don't really know how to answer it. Just uh, Travis Branham being out there saying that I, I think he's pretty plugged in. If he was putting yeah. it out there pretty early that UK was a school to watch, I would say there's something to that. Yeah. But in terms of when it could happen or if it's a lock, I mean, I don't I don't know that.
1: Well, and that's what I was getting at when it comes down to not not that people don't know what's going on and who Kentucky's in at. I just think it's hard right now to pinpoint when it's going to happen. Like who, like yeah, who Grady was going to do what he did yeah. on that day? I think that was on a Monday. Like people started getting word of it 10 minutes before it came out. So uh,
0: we posted a episode, 25 minutes, talking about how dead it was around <laughs> basketball. And then he, well, all that was in the works or done at that point. I mean, it was a done deal already when we were fighting that, so. What did Matt Matt said that Tuesday, right? He was told that he yeah. might hear something from Carr on Tuesday. So I mean, I guess keep possible. your eyes out for that.
1: Yeah, I mean keep your eyes out. Like if I don't think Matt would have said that if if he didn't get that from someone that he trusted, right? Because that I mean that's a lot to say. So pay attention to it. A, maybe maybe it happens. We got another
0: uh, DM here, Sean. That's from Chris. Uh, and Chris, we didn't get to this question until very last last time. So let's let's get a little bit earlier. What do you say on this one? He has two questions. Uh, let's start first with the football one. He said, Mark Stoops and what uh, – oh, it's basically about who, who you'd be worried about um, hiring Mark Stoops away. And Chris said, my answer is Iowa because it's his alma mater. It seems like it's the blueprint and he's brought that he's brought to UK, and it's a place where it's much more realistic goal to win the division and even the conference than what it would be at Kentucky. It's a good point. Um, certainly – much easier to win that side of the Big Ten than ever having to go through the gauntlet of beating Georgia and Florida and whoever else you might have to beat in a year to get to Atlanta. I totally agree there. I almost wonder though, Sean, if he's not, especially with this class that they might be able to sign in 22, I almost feel like he is getting a caliber of player to Kentucky now. I I mean, obviously Iowa still recruits well. They get – I mean, they've even landed some five-star kids here uh, in recent years. So you can you can definitely get good players to Iowa. It's a very good program. I'm not saying you can't, but I just kind of wonder if he's such a spot of stability at Kentucky that doesn't really make that much sense to go somewhere where I think he's getting the same caliber player that he could get at Iowa here at Kentucky. Yep. So I would actually answer like Michigan. I think a school like Michigan would be somebody. It's obviously get a lot of kids from Ohio. It's uh, Big Ten, Blue Blood. It's probably a school that when if you ask Mark Stoops when he first started coaching, like, hey, your top five where you'd want to coach one day, I would bet Michigan would be considered. A school like Penn State, if Franklin would, would ever leave, I would include Ohio State. I just I think it's so obvious that if Ryan Day does leave anytime soon, Luke Fickle will get hired there. So I yeah. just don't really see that yeah. being a, realist, a realistic option for Stoops. But I think Chris is in the right spot. Like I've thought about Iowa for a while. Um, and it was even rumored last fall, right? That one of those stories uh, that we talked about on that on the podcast. So I'm not going to say, "Hey, there's no way Mark would do this." I just wonder if he's going to get Kentucky to a place though here soon where it wouldn't make. I wouldn't. I don't know if I call it a lateral move because you have those roots, obviously, him playing there. His brother's playing there, and the things Chris said about it being easier to get to Big Ten title and to have a chance to win, you know, and go to beast or uh, what do they call them now power five or. Uh, New York Six, New York Six yeah. polls. All those things, I agree, are easier. Um, but I would think he would want to go somewhere where he could win a national championship. I think he could do that at Michigan. I'm not so sure he could do that at Iowa. Um,
1: I agree with you ahead. 100%. I agree with you 100% on Michigan. And to, to me, a move away from U.K. would be to win a national championship. Like yeah. if, if Kentucky cannot get to that point. Uh, like I said, I wasn't going to cap what the the potential is at Kentucky because I already tried to do that and it's already kind of proved me wrong. So uh, when it comes to recruiting, so I'm going to hold off on that. But the Iowa stuff, like it, I could see it being his alma mater, but I think it's I've said if he gets the year ten at Kentucky, I could see him staying for life. I really do. Look at the loyalty and his loyalty in his family and Bob, how long he was at Oklahoma. I think that Stoops kind of has that same thing, those same characteristics. I mean, Will going in, his son, Will going into high school. I I don't see Mark wanting to do anything during that window. And then you got Zach coming up, his other, his youngest kid. I, I think that now that those kids are getting older, I don't know if they move or I don't know if he'll move, Derek. I really think that he's rooted at Kentucky for a while. And especially with the recruiting momentum that they have. And if they I the mean, East I just
0: for the East, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, if he wins the East, he would have done something that you know nobody thought could happen. Uh, but moving to the second question from Chris, and this is a basketball question. He says, if Cal left after say next year, who would be your top three choices to replace him? Chris Beard would have been high on the list, but I can't see him leaving Texas. I agree with that. Same with Mark Few at Gonzaga and Jay Wright at Villanova.
1: Um, yeah, those three aren't top legal. three. Nate Oates would be on my list. Billy Donovan's on mine.
0: Yeah, how, how realistic we're talking.
1: Billy, Billy I mean, you Donovan. Call, you would
0: call Billy Donovan. Uh, for Billy sure. Donovan's at the he...
1: top of my list. Like, that would be the top of my list.
0: Maybe if Mark Pope had one more really good year at BYU. I mean, here's the thing. It's kind of slim pickings, isn't it? There's not a whole lot to – and, Oates would be the hot hot guy to choose right now. I mean, maybe Eric Musselman. Like, I'm, I'm not actually saying but some of these SEC schools that are kind of blowing up here recently. I, Chris, Chris Holtman I don't, would have been
1: on there if they hadn't lost in the first round. No,
0: I, I would still put him on there. That's right. I know it's forgetting somebody. And I, I could actually see him being the guy. Like, Holtman would be on my list. Oates, if we're talking strictly college coaches. Um, I agree with you now. I think Beard would have been on there had he still been at Tech. But with him being playing at Texas and – just loving Austin. I don't. I don't think he's ever going to leave. Um, Kentucky Texas, fans would throw not, not, out not, Brad
1: Stevens' name. They would throw that out there. But
0: him and Donovan would be, yeah. But I'd say for college, strictly college, Oates. I'd even put Musselman because I think he's a, a very good college coach, and then Holtman. Holtman I still mine, think.
1: But. I still think that Billy Donovan's going to end up back at Florida at some point. Well, Mike White. He's got a. That's he's my really hot take. By and... way. That's like the hottest take I'll ever give on the show. That Billy <laughs> Donovan returns to Florida to finish his it's college never as good basketball it's Never career. as
0: good the second time around, man. It's not,
1: but I could really see it. I could see it happen if he doesn't get to the point where he's too old. I could see him going yeah. back. I did, I don't think you there's really it. those clear-cut names right now. Like there there were in the past where you could kind of identify a few names here or there, and be like, you know, that's a guy that would probably get a call. I don't really know, like right now. I, I want to see Nate Oates a couple years from now. Obviously, if you'd asked me this six years ago, I think there would have been some names on it, like uh, Sean Miller, Greg Marshall. I think those names have been on that list, and now you see those names are never even being in the same wording as that list.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, give it another year, there might be a new coach. That's something I'm right, talking about.
1: There might. So that's uh, that's what I would say. Um, it's hard to really say, but Billy Donovan would always be the top of my list. He he was at the top of my my list and wish list when Tubby left, when Billy Gillespie left. I mean, certainly that's been over a decade ago, so times have changed. But I think it would be interesting. I think you would hear Billy Donovan's name thrown out if Cal were to leave in the next two to three years. But it doesn't mean it would happen.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. You got uh, any more DMs?
1: Yeah, got a couple more here. This one comes from Casey. I still worry about the three spot. I want Grady or Allen there at all times, but I still think the four spot is way too crowded and Cal is going to be forced to play Keon or Toppin on the wing so they get minutes. Eric, that is Casey's pretty much been in our text, hasn't he? <laughs> that is the <it's> conversation <laughs> you and I have had. I've talked to you about it on the phone. I've talked to you about it on this podcast. And I will say this. If Keon and Toppin are those pieces on those pieces are on the roster next year, I'm okay if it's for a stretch that you move someone to the three, especially if it's for a defensive impact or something like that, or it's you're having some success in a situation. But the majority of the of the minutes in the game, I want to see them have a legitimate three point threat at the two three spots. So I think with I think Casey's spot on with it, though. Like, if this roster does have Keon and Toppin on it, Bryce Hopkins, I don't know what they're going to do, and I do feel like it could handcuff Cal possibly to have him to play them at the three. The reason Trey Lyles played the three that year in 2015 is because they had to play Willie and, and Towns together. Trey Lyles would have been a perfect four-man if he had come back to Kentucky for his sophomore year, and I think he would have been even better. But – this is why I still think someone's leaving, is for this question right here. I just think that there's a logjam there when it comes to the guys that they have that could play
0: 3-4. Yeah, I agree. I,
1: I think Allen ought to get a whole lot better. And, I, again,
0: I, like, I, I just still like Allen coming off the bench this year. I like his role being spot-up shooter. Anything else he's developed in the offseason offensively I think is good. I'm not sure he needs to be playing 30-something minutes this year um, at the three. But I can also understand for sure, like, if it's between having him at the three or Jacob Toppin at the three, then, yeah, I would lean towards <laughs> to giving Dante those minutes over him. But that's true. got yeah, Hopkins, Toppin, and Brooks all kind of in the same same thing. And there, something probably will give there. I don't know what it will be or, or what's best. But I think Casey's, like you said, I think he's got all the same thoughts that we have. And yes. we just gotta see how it's gonna work out. So
1: And the next one comes from Kyle. We've pretty much already answered this one. Zegaras Zegorowski or Carr. You can only have one, which one you taking, and which one do you think fits what we have the best? Zegarowski has been my pick ever since you pointed him out to me, Derek. But I would also take Marcus Carr if that's where it goes. Like I I would like either one of those two on UK's roster, but if you gave me the pick, I put Zegarowski there.
0: Yeah, either one's an upgrade. I think Zagorowski's a major upgrade, though. And you pair him with other guys. I don't know how you really defend Kentucky from deep next year. If you got him at point, Mance or Carr or Grady – or not Carr, sorry, Grady, uh, Allen or, or Mance out there, too, surrounding him, that's just a lot of pressure on a defense.
1: And then he had another question, too. Actually, he has a lot of questions. If Kentucky were to somehow win it all next year, what's the likelihood Cal just decides to hang it up? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It. <laughs> like Maybe. Going out on, hey, second championship, only coach at UK to do that would be Adolph Rupp. What better way to go out. Heck yeah. of a way to go out if he wants to do that. Uh, I think chasing the second title has kind of kept Cal around as long as it has. Like I – yeah. I never thought we'd get to this point and John Calipari still be the coach of Kentucky. Not because of being fired. I just thought he would have moved on to something else because of just the energy that it takes to do that job. And then his other question is if Jackson comes back and and Brooks decides to leave, is it absolutely necessary Cal gets another big? No. No. It's not necessary. Is, I it, think
0: if if you got Jackson on top and Toppen down there you can throw wear in the mix too, but I think those two would be enough there. And then Collins and Chibway at five is how I would see it. With, and you Ware, can, if you have crazy problems, you can still fit wear in there somewhere. And
1: you can even slide Jackson to the five if you need to in a pinch. And like the guy options. Hawkins
0: could be a stretch four. Yeah, I mean, that's plenty, I think.
1: Yep. And then, man, this is a big one too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm missing these DMs. I need to start opening them. Uh, this one comes from Alan. Hey, Sean, I didn't know if you planned on doing another mailbag episode this week. Yep, we do. <laughs> if so, I was just wanting to submit this question. What are the rumblings for the following transfer guards? Marcus Carr, put, he put in quotes, Kyle Tucker tweeted, he's headed, he's hearing that he's staying in the draft. Uh, Xavier Pinson, Xavier Johnson. Also, anything behind the scenes about Zagorowski, deleted tweet, or McKinley Wright, he referenced Kyle Tucker's tweet. Uh, what do you think about it, Derek?
0: Well, McKinley Wright was someone that I had I follow a guy. if We were in college at the same time, and he's a Colorado rider for rivals, and I'd kind of been keeping up with McKinley Wright. And I did think he was someone eventually, like, if he did stay in college and he's an extra year, then he was certainly good enough to play at Kentucky. He was interesting to me. I've done a ton of digging into him. I just know he was one of the top point guards in the country. Um, but, yeah, still Zagorowski for sure over any other option.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm going to. And then he referenced, you know, the the Zagorowski stuff, I guess, on message boards with uh, deleted tweets or something like that. Uh, I didn't see the deleted tweet, but it's going to be interesting to follow and see what exactly happens. Does Zagorowski stay at Creighton or does he decide to enter the portal? Uh, That's certainly something that everyone is kind of following right now. Uh, Derek, I'm trying to make sure I haven't missed anyone. If we haven't, okay. Here's this one, and then we get to to Shane's. Do you think Devin Askew got pushed out, or was it his decision? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say he got pushed out like directly. I think that there would have been a spot for him, Derek, if he wanted. But I think that maybe the way I think Cal was honest in this conversation, and I think it just came down to you know you you can stay here, but I can't promise you as a sophomore, that it's going to be what you want it to be. And I think then when you hear things like that, I think Devin probably looked at the situation and thought it was best for him and for Kentucky. That's just my yeah, exactly. take on it.
0: Yeah, I, was, I mean, I don't want to say Kentucky pushed a kid out without knowing that 100% for sure. I think it's much more likely what you said. I think, I think Devin just evaluated what was going on and realized that he might be better off somewhere else. That's yeah. just where I stand on it.
1: And then the last question of course, comes from our buddy Shane. And I'm going to get to the basketball side before I go to the, the fun question. So he said the episode with Hunter Mitchell, glad everybody listened to that one, by the way, he spoke about how no one on women's volleyball was trying to be Leah Edmond. They were trying to be the best version of themselves, and that's how they've been successful. Who on Kentucky men's basketball that is for sure on next season's roster needs to be the best version of themselves in order for the team to be not good but great? What do you think? Um,
0: it's a tough one.
1: Kelly and Grady. I mean,
0: It'd you're coming in, Shibu, two, yeah. coming in as a two
1: two thousand point scorer. Sheboy coming in as the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year. I think those two are going to be looked at as instant fixes, and I think that can add a lot of pressure, Derek. Yeah. especially coming from a situation like Grady did where he was one of the best to ever play at Davidson. I could see him trying to be someone that he's not, but if he just is who he is and who he's been, it could take Kentucky to the next level if he adds that shooting on the perimeter.
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the right answer. Now that you explain that, I'm with you there. I'll, I'll take Grady. Um, he, he, he will be interesting. You're right. I think, I think he's definitely going to be viewed as a, as a quick fix. I mean, that's why he got him. He put up a lot of points. He's scoring 17 a game throughout his whole career. Um, but, yeah, like you're saying, don't come in and try to do too much. His numbers are going to dip. I don't think he's going to average 17 a year or 17 next season at Kentucky. It's going to be no. a little bit lower. But don't let that affect you. Like, do what you can. You know what it takes to play winning basketball. Do what you can to help help these guys um, and, and be, be a good teammate and, and do those things. And I think you will see Kentucky – winning games. Just don't try to do too much if you're Kellen. Yeah.
1: And then the last question, and I, I want, I do want to answer this one. He said, "I have a completely non-sports related question." So Shane, you've you've really ventured out when it comes to the fun questions, Derek. I texted you this this morning. Who do you think wins in a fight, a silverback gorilla or a grizzly bear? And please give reasons why. Derek, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. A grizzly bear is absolutely taking care of business against a silverback gorilla every single time. Like if they fought 15 times, what? the grizzly What's bears the... win in 15, probably 16 times. That's how bad he's going to beat the, the silverback gorilla.
0: What's the weight class in this? Are these heavy? Like, are these things been way the same? I don't think so. What's a full grown? Foreground... silverback gorilla weighs, uh, a healthy, mature male silverback will push 300 to 400 pounds. So a grizzly bear weighs, on the other hand, seven, up to 700 pounds. I'm, I'm taking the grizzly bear for sure. Yeah. It's not even a fair fight. I mean, no. not in terms of weight, it's not. A large fem a large female grizzly bear come up to 800 pounds, Sean. And they probably run fast too. I've never been chased by a grizzly bear. I bet they run fast.
1: 35 miles per hour. Oh,
0: sorry. I said the female weigh 800. The males are heavier and can weigh up to 1,700 pounds. My <laughs> God. But oh, this is all over the place. I don't. I don't know if this is going off Google. I don't know if this is even accurate. But I'm still. I'm still going it. a
1: grizzly bear. Yeah. I mean, every time I'm picking a grizzly bear. So, you all listening to Kentucky Daily, DM us. Let us know grizzly bear, silverback gorilla. I really want to know your thoughts on this. And then we will, on the next episode, Derek, we'll list our top ten coaches. I know you probably didn't have as much time to get your list together. Some people sent them in, so we'll get to that on the next episode.
0: Yeah, I had sure. a few sent in, and uh, I scanned it. And, yeah, this is going to be I'll, – I'll, yeah, let's see, let's do that next episode. We can read a few of these that got sent in to us, and we can discuss. And uh, that will be solid. appreciate everybody doing that. I had several people reach out. I'm sure you did too.
1: I did, and then before we wrap this thing up, I do want to thank uh, Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky for being the mailbag Friday sponsor of Kentucky Daily, and then all mailbags moving forward uh, over the next 30 to 31 days. Eric, I know we're excited about that. Wings and Rings is a place that I highly recommend you to get to. It is so conveniently located right there off of I-75. Depending on which way you're going, if you're coming from Lexington, I think it's the first London, that maybe the second or first or second, whichever. You'll see it right there, the first one, right there on the right. The parking lot is always full, delicious food, some of the best salads that you'll ever have as well. I know Keeley loves their salads there. I love the wings, the tenders, all the the menu options. They got TVs wrapped around the entire building. You can watch the Reds. You can watch the Braves. It doesn't matter what is going on sports-related You can find it at Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. As always, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, uh, two locations, Pineville, Williamsburg, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. This has been another exciting episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time.